want to look at the seven laws of prayer. And we won't get much into this depth into this today, but I, I, I want to give you the seven laws of prayer. You know, there's laws to everything. Um, you know, there's laws of gravity, uh, physics. Uh, you know, there's laws for everything. There's laws about giving. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Well, he caused men to give into your bosom. Amen. So there are certain principles or certain laws, certain principles that are um, uh, unbroken, cannot be broken. Amen. And uh, I want to go over those. I just want to give you these things as we uh, finish up today, the seven laws. We'll get into a little bit of it, but we probably won't be able to get in, in depth over each one of these. But I want you to know this and understand this. We're entering into a time that is unprecedented, okay? You're seeing things that are happening that uh, have never happened before. You're about to see things happen, probably coming this fall. that are going to um, shake you, um, cause great concern, will bring upheaval in some lives, uh, but you're, you're seeing this, and it's not to be unexpected because the Bible said these things are going to take place prior to the return of Jesus Christ, you know, that we are to expect these things. So we cannot be shocked or dismayed or, uh, uh, you know, uh, knocked off course, so to speak, because these things are happening. You're to expect these things. Amen? That, the Bible says that these things are going to happen. Go to Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21. You go to the book of Revelation. And you'll begin to look and see all these things that are going to come upon the face of the earth. Amen? And when they begin to take place, the Bible says that men are going to be frightened. They're going to cry out for the rocks to cover them, to hide them. I mean, that's just about, you know, you know, these things will happen. I can't give you a definite time frame of when these things will happen, but you're seeing this, the, the stage being set right now as we speak. Okay, stage is being said. I believe we are that generation that will see the return of Jesus Christ. Could I be wrong? Sure, I could be wrong. You know, I could be wrong. But I believe that all signs and, and everything is pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. The church still sleeps and slumbers, but things are happening. Jesus called his disciples and he said, look, I want you to watch and pray with me. And every time he would go off to pray, they'd fall asleep. And that's where we are today. Jesus, the Lord's calling to his church, to his people saying, watch and pray because time's drawing close. And what happens? Well, we, then we just, we all lay down and we all doze off and go right back to sleep. And there's coming a time, there's coming a time that we're, just as, as the, leaders in that in Jesus' time were coming to take him, to arrest him, okay? It, it, you know, they all knew this was about to take place, and yet they still were able to fall asleep during that time. I know this, I'm kind of rambling here this morning, but I want you to understand that the church is still asleep. We've got to shake ourselves. We've got to wake from the slumber because things are happening, and only prayer or it's going to be, uh, prayer will be the only thing that will sustain you. Okay? Now, in saying that, I, I, Mariah spoke, what was it, two weeks ago? And as Mariah was speaking, the Lord took me to a scripture back over in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, I'm going to get back to the seven laws of prayer and we'll go back over them. But I want, this is what the Lord, as I was getting ready for this this morning, that he brought me back to this. 
Okay, and I believe there's a specific reason God brought me back to this, all right? He says, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Now this is, once again, this is a story of Elijah where they're out on, uh, on top of Mark, uh, Mount Carmel, and, and, uh, or Carmel, and, uh, and, and they're up there, and Elijah has basically drawn up the battle lines. You've got the prophets of Baal on one side, and then you've got Elijah on the other side. Elijah told the prophets of Baal, look, I want you to go first. I want you to call down fire from heaven. See if your God will hear your prayers and see what happens. We all know the story that they got up there and did their thing and nothing happened. Then it was Elijah's turn. Elijah's turn. And Elijah here in, in verse 30, it says, Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I want you to underline that or highlight that or at least remember that, that before Elijah did anything else, okay, the prophets of Baal went and they did their thing. And they, the Bible says that they danced, they cut themselves, they shouted, they cried out to God, uh, their God, and nothing happened while Elijah was down there, you know, mocking him the whole time. So nothing took place. And after they had finished, Elijah said, all right, I want you, everybody to come a little closer to me come down to me. And he began to, the first thing he did was repair the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. Now I want you to remember that because over in the book of Genesis, we see Noah and the ark. And what's the first thing that Noah does after he exits, or exits the ark? The first thing that he does, he builds an altar unto the Lord. I want you to turn there with me right quick. It's in Genesis chapter... Is it Genesis chapter 7? No, Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. Now, this is, this is right after the flood. Uh, let's go back to Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. All right, and he tells him to bring all the animals out of the ark. In verse 20, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So the first thing that Noah does when he gets off of the boat is he builds an altar unto the Lord. This is important. This is important. Go to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. Verse 1, it says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. Now you understand that in Moses' time, when the children of Israel exited Egypt, and as they were out in the wilderness... God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle, right? Okay, tabernacle out in the wilderness. This was a place 
that God says, I want you to construct it. I'm going to give you specific uh, instructions on how I want this built. All right. And it was arrayed. And in this tabernacle, you had different pieces, what we will call furniture. You had the uh, the, the altar, the the um, the uh, golden incense and all, you know, all that stuff like that. It was literally a rep replication of what's in heaven. It's literally a, a replicate or a copy of what's in heaven before God now. All right, everybody with me? So you see here in Revelation chapter 8, it says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar that's there in the throne room of God, an altar in the throne room of God. All right? He was given much incense. Now, in the Old Testament, when the, the, when the priest would begin to pray and intercede for the people, they would burn incense. And there was a, a sign that they would make with their hands. It was like a W that they would make as they were standing before the altar and, and, and as the, as the uh, priest was uh, uh, praying or interceding for the people. And that incense, they would burn that incense and that incense would begin to come up and it would begin to come through the, look like come through the priest's hands. Okay? Now, let me, let me back up just a little. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 6 and Noah. And when Noah uh, began to offer up the offerings unto the Lord, it says it was a sweet aroma unto God. It was as a sweet aroma unto the Father. So as, as that was going up and the incense goes up, is this, I, I know I, I, you're probably not really following me here, but we're going someplace. It's very important, okay, especially in the days ahead. But that incense went up. Well, let's read on here. Then another angel, verse 3, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he would offer it with the prayers of all the saints unto the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Now remember, the priest would stand before there and have his hand shaped in like a W form. All this is replicates what's taking place in heaven. <clears throat> and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquake. Now, I don't want to get hung up on end time stuff, so to speak. But what I want you to understand, it's very important. Even in the churches today, we've allowed the altars of God to be broken down. In our homes... We've allowed the altars of God to be broken down. We don't have a firm concept of that, what it is, because we don't necessarily, um, you know, go through that process anymore. But just as in the days of Elijah, 
that they had the prophets of Baal built altars where the prophets of or the altars of God had once stood. Elijah begins to repair the altar of the living God. In the book of Judges, in the days of Gideon, we all know the story of Gideon. Gideon is threshing the wheat and everything in, in the hiding, and angel of the Lord comes to him and calls unto him. And then he instructs him, I want you to go, and I want you to tear down the altars of Baal. And I want you to rebuild altars unto God. Folks, you have got to begin to rebuild the altars that have been torn down. We have got to begin to rebuild the altars in this church, if you want to say, in, that have been broken down. And you say, how are they broken down? They're broken down because we've allowed them to be broken down. They're broken down because we've brought things in that are not of God. We've brought the world into the church. And the world has broken down the altars of God. And the church will stand powerless until we bring and rebuild the altars back and begin to sacrifice back unto the Lord. Now, we don't no longer sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats, but we're to offer up sacrifices unto God. We're to offer up sacrifices up to God. Our prayers, the Bible says over in Re Revelations chapter 8 that there's an angel in heaven that's burning incense before the altar and is holding the prayers of the saints. A lot of times we think that our prayers are not being heard, but every prayer you pray is being heard and it's being captured, if you will. You might not get an answer exactly when you pray, but I assure you that the prayer is being held. The Bible says it is. Our prayers are as the incense that goes up before God. We no longer burn incense in a church service. We no longer you know, have all the spices and the oils that we mix together and then we burn incense unto the Lord. But our prayers are as incense unto God. A sweet aroma when we really begin to pray. Not the just half-hearted, you know, the, but when you really begin to pray and seek God, that says incense, a sweet aroma that's entering into the, into the Holy of Holies, into the, into the throne room of God. And begins to fill that throne room with, the, with, with, with a sweet aroma. A lot of us don't even pray anymore. Because we, we tend to think, well, it's just, you know, nothing's happening. And it's a waste of time. But what you're doing is offering up a sacrifice unto the Lord. Just as Noah 
sacrifice the animals when he came off the ark. Just as Elijah was building, uh, rebuilding the, the, the altar there. And what, and once he got the altar rebuilt, what did he do? He took the blood, uh, he took the bull and, 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 and killed the bull and laid it out on the altar. And they, they said, I want you to bring water and pour it all over the bull to where the ground, not only was the sacrifice saturated, but the altar was saturated and the gr ground all around the altar was saturated with water. Amen? You ever try to start a fire when your wood's wet? It's next to impossible. You can't start a fire with wet wood. You can't do it. And once he had done all this, then he prays unto the God of heaven and fire comes down and just uh, literally just laps up the sacrifice and everything, the water, the ground, everything there. But there's something about, there's something that we have to understand about rebuilding the altars. We have got to begin to rebuild the altars. I know we live in a day and an age when everybody's busy and everybody's tired and everybody's wore out and everybody's got something that they got. I, believe me, I understand. If you've seen my laundry list of things to do, now I'm not saying that you guys don't have them either, but I'm just saying I, I understand. But we have got to get back to where we rebuild the altars. And we begin to offer up a sweet aroma unto the Lord. I want to give you real quickly. I want to give you the seven laws of prayer. <clears throat> now, if you can speak your prayer needs to be spoken. When you pray, if you can speak, now I understand that there's people that have that cannot speak. I'm not talking to those people. I'm not talking about people that either for whatever reason they're mute and they cannot they cannot speak. You have a God that understands and knows everything. But I'm talking to you that if you have a voice this morning and you can open your mouth and you can form words and words can fall out of your mouth just as easy as thoughts fall out of your head. You have to open your mouth and begin to speak and pray. Audible words unto the God in heaven. Prayer is not just thinking thoughts. Prayer is not just... Uh, uh, you know, just thinking your, your, your thing silently, but prayer is actually open your mouth and speaking unto God. Now I'm going to give you real quickly, because we are, we are going to receive communion. Number one. <clears throat> Number one, you must ask. You must ask. These are seven laws of prayer. You must ask.
Christ taught that you must ask and it shall be given. Luke chapter 9, 11. You must ask. Open your mouth and ask God for what you have need of. For what you want. Okay? We use the word ask every day, such as, can I ask you a question? Uh, ask for directions. I have a problem with that. Uh, don't like asking for directions. Find it myself. Marcy gets on to me all the time. I'm going somewhere, I tend to get lost. Asking comes in several forms. At times, a person will pray a simple prayer similar to normal conversation between two people sitting across the table from one another. Uh, it says uh, throughout the Bible, we see spiritual that spiritual principle that God does nothing toward meeting a need for a believer on earth until he is asked. God spared Lot because Abraham asked God that he would spare him. Amen? God spared the children of Israel because Moses asked that God not destroy them when God says, I'm going to wipe this entire people off the face of the earth and I'll rebuild it with you, Moses. And Moses said, Lord, please, this, don't, don't do that. And so God spared the children of Israel because Moses asked, God, please don't do that. We see where King Hezekiah was giving a death sentence. And he asked God, Lord, extend my days. And he was given 15 more years, right? Simply because he asked God to intercede. When Peter was in prison, knowing plans were in place to execute him following the Passover, the church did not cease to pray, and God released an angel to free Peter. Now, I want, that's another subject I want to get into sometime. Folks, you are about to see, witness, the manifestation of angels being present. The Bible says that right before the return of Jesus Christ, that Satan is going to be cast down to the earth. Okay? And he's going to cause so much destruction. Folks, in the Old Testament, when you see it through, all the, through the whole Bible, that when people are in need, there's an angel that will show up. Here's Peter sitting in prison about to be executed and the church does not cease praying for him and God sends an angel to the prison. Now could have, I ask you, just think about this. Would it just have been as easy for God to open those doors? Understand what I'm saying? Wouldn't it just have been as easy that God would, you know... Uh, speak to Peter and say, Peter, get up and let's go. But no, God sent an angel to Peter in the prison. Peter, it's time to get up. Let's go. And the angel escorted him all the way outside the prison. And when he got outside the prison, that's when the angel was gone. Would it just have been as easy for God to shut the, uh, the, the mouth of the lions by just shutting their mouth and saying, lions, I, I, I created you, I'm in control. 
But he says that he sent an angel. You're about to see things happen, folks, in the church world, in the church realm, that hasn't been seen in a very, very long time. But you're about to see it. Because God is good. And God is merciful. And God is gracious. And God is loving. And God cares for you. And God has a way of doing things that we don't always fully understand. But God has a way of doing things to get His will accomplished. Amen? So I won't spend much time there, but I, can, I, I do believe that, folks, there's going to come a time when, when this church is going to pray. And we're going to be able to call. And we can do it now. We just don't do it. That we can call on the name of God and say, God, I need you to send an angel to such and such place. I need you to send an angel to so and so. God, I need you to send an angel on my behalf, Lord God. Father, I need you to send an angel in defense of this matter. I need you to send an angel to intervene in this situation. And you're gonna, there will be an angel sent and dispatched on your behalf. Amen. The Bible says that the, the angel of the Lord encamps about those that love the Lord, love Him, amen. That we have angels that surround us, amen. This place is, you you cannot feel it, you don't understand it, but I assure you that angels of the living God are encamped about this place right now. More than likely, you have an angel sitting in front of you, behind you, beside you right now, and you don't, you're not even aware of it. You say, well, that sounds silly. I don't care what it sounds like, amen. That, it's true. That where the word of God is spoken, the angels hearken unto the word of God. We don't worship angels. We don't call upon angels' names. But God will send an angel in your defense. You might want to start getting used to that idea for the days ahead. But you have to ask. Number two, you have to ask in faith. When you ask, you have to ask in faith. A lot of us ask, and we're only asking because, that, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to ask. You don't really expect anything. You don't really believe anything, but you're asking because you think that's what you're supposed to do. But you got to ask in faith, believing that when you ask, that it's going to happen. A lot of us pray haphazardly. We pray, well, God, if it's your will, if this and that. And we're not really praying in faith. We're just praying to be praying. If it happens, that's great. I'm really not expecting anything. But if it happens, that's wonderful. You have to pray in faith. Believing that when you ask that you're going to receive. Amen? When you ask, you're going to receive. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I'm going to hurry and get through this because I want to get everybody out of here in good time. So we'll get through this real quickly. One of the nine fruits, or let me back up. Yeah. <clears throat> one of the nine fruits of the Spirit is uh, faith. Right? Fruits of the Spirit, one of them is faith. One of the gifts is faith. Marcy, she don't work in a lot, but she has a gift of faith. I don't. I have a problem a lot of times. I'm I'm always the negative Nancy of the bunch. 
That's, I mean, that's just, that, that's me. Is that you too, Richie? You're, you're, Jenny's like, I, uh, no. I, I, I'm, and, I, yeah. I'm always the one that, that gets frustrated and wants to throw the hands up and walk off and kick somebody. Right, Ashton? So, I, 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 it's not that I don't believe, I just get frustrated very easily sometimes. But Marcy can, can she, she'll just go off by herself somewhere and she'll pray and she'll ask God for something. And when it, when it comes back, she'll come back to me and say, well, I prayed about it. And God, God answered my prayer. To make me feel about this big, not you understand, well, not she's not doing it, but you understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> like you could have done the same thing. But she has, she has like a, a gift of, uh, the gift of faith. She can believe for things and believe God and, uh, and it come to pass. Over, over small things, over little things. Amen? I lose the keys to my car. I'm tearing stuff apart, man. I'm, <laughs> that house ain't going to look the same after I'm done looking for my keys. I'm talking about just... Right? Hey, I'm throwing stuff all over the place. I'll dig out every cabinet there is, to, okay? Because I get, if I don't find it right off, I get even more frustrated. And then I'm taking everything out, okay? I'm going to find it no matter what. When Marcy will stop and pray and ask God where the keys are, you understand? Know and she finds them. I'm still tearing stuff apart. All right? I done got the walls taken off the, you know, maybe they fell back behind the wall somehow. I, you know, so I'm, I'm knocking holes in walls looking for stuff. And she stopped and, and asked God where the keys are. So you have to have faith when you ask. And we'll get back into these later on and get into depth because there's depth in each one of these. Number three, it says you must ask in faith with nothing wavering with nothing wavering. Now, these are the seven laws of prayer. Nothing wavering. James 1 and verses 5 through 7 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally, unbrideth not, and, give to, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave on the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So don't waver. What does that mean? Don't go back and forth. That, that's my problem. With, okay, Marcy's steadfast in faith. I ask in faith. It don't happen right then. I start tearing stuff apart. Then I come back and ask again, and then when it, I, I start tearing more stuff apart, all right? So I'm going back and forth, back and forth. Number four, it says you must ask in full agreement with others. Now we're talking about another aspect of prayer. It says, Matthew 18 and 19 says, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. The prayer of agreement. Sometimes when you can't get the answer and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and it seems like God isn't hearing, you need to find somebody that will come and agree with you. 
Not somebody that just shakes their head and nods and says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But somebody that you, you can, that not only will you take them by the hand, but they're going to grab you by the hand and say, come on, let's go. Somebody that's going to stand in agreement with you over that matter. All right? The Bible says that one will put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. So when you're having struggles on your own, find somebody that you can come... Now, not everybody in this church is going to be in agreement with you. Right? Most people in this church barely like me, let alone agree with me. So, I mean... So, I mean but you got to find somebody that's going to come into agreement with you and then stand fast. I, I, like I said, I'm not going to go into detail over these, but we will come back to this at a later time because this is going to be very important in the days ahead. That was number four. Number five, it says you must ask, in the, and ask the Father in Jesus' name. Ask the Father in Jesus' name. Now, I, like, like again, we'll come back to these. Number six is hold fast your confession. Hold fast your confession. So when you pray, when you've prayed over a matter, you hold fast to your confession <clears throat> that God has heard my prayer. My prayers are held in a censer by an angel, and they're before the throne, before the altar of the living God, that God has heard my prayer and my prayer will be answered. Amen? You must agree in alignment, number seven, you must agree in alignment with the will of God. You must agree in alignment with the will of God. When, you're, when you pray, you must know that it is the will of God. What is the will of God? Well, beloved, the will of God is that you be blessed and, and healed and, and walk in prosperity. Right? Now, does that mean that when you pray for a million dollars in your bank account, God's going to answer that prayer? Well, not necessarily. Does it mean you won't do it? No, not necessarily. But it is, is it the will of God that you have a million dollars in your bank account? I know a lot of people that, that pray and say, well, you know, uh, I just want to win the lottery, and, and when I win the lottery, I'm just going to bless the church. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. In all reality, they have the best of intentions. And I don't question their intentions, but God knows, along with everybody else that they're telling or, or saying this to, that they'll give the church very little, and they're going to go and take that money and they're going to go do whatever their heart desires to do, and God's not going to have anything to do with it. Now, does, you understand what I'm saying about that? So God knows that if He gave certain people a million dollars, 999,000 of that is going to be spent on their desires, which is going to pull them away from the living God. Not bring them closer to God. You understand what I'm saying? So there's certain things that you may ask for, and I'm just using that as an example. There's certain things that you may ask for that God knows that in the long run are not beneficial to you. 
And when I say beneficial to you, beneficial, beneficial to your spirit, man. Beneficial to your eternity. Does everybody understand that? Okay. We're going to get ready uh, to uh, uh, <clears throat> receive communion. I want to leave you with this. There's so many things happening in the world today. Um, I, I've talked about the jo Georgia Guidestones before. Some of you may or may not know what the jo Georgia Guidestones are. Um, they were just blown up and disintegrated this last week. Um, and uh, somebody just literally went in. I don't know all the details. I've been, do you know any more details on that? I mean, I know somebody went in and basically set off a charge and blew up part of them and they had to demolish them. They what? Yeah. Yeah. There are things that are happening behind the scenes right now, folks, that are, that are extremely, extremely concerning. Um, and the Georgia Guidestones were just a, a monument that was set up for basically... Uh, it, what you need to do is just read what the Georgia Guidestones were. Amen. And, and you can look at that. There's a little place that you need to watch, okay, for the next few weeks. It's a little place called Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad. Have you heard about this, Ben? Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad. Can you pull up a map real quickly of, of, uh, of Europe and, and that area? I want you to, I want you to be, pay very close attention to this place for the next couple of weeks. If Ben can get us a map pulled up, and because we're getting ready to do communion, I just want to I want to bring this to everybody's attention. Everybody understand there's still a war going on between Russia and Ukraine, right? Things are happening. Things have been set in motion. Things are 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 really spinning out of control. Um, the stage is being set. If something does not happen this winter, that Europe is going to be on the verge of starvation. All right, I am not. This that is not hyperbole. That is getting ready to be cold hard fact. Russia has cut off the gas to Europe, um, which is fine during the summertime, but when it gets cold, most people like to stay warm. Okay. So here you have a little place called Kaliningrad right here. This is Lithuania right here, all right? Russia is over here. You have a, <clears throat> you have a, this, believe it or not, is part of Russia. Kaliningrad is part of Russia. All right? But it is not attached to Russia. Okay? This is Russia right here. Landmass here is Russia. So you have Latvia, Lithuania, and Kaliningrad here. This is Russia. There's over a million Russians that live right here in this little this little country, if you want to call it a country, it's actually Russia. All right. There's a train. There's a train that has ran from Russia to Kaliningrad, and that's how Russia gets supplies to its people there in Kaliningrad. And there was an agreement. There's been a long-going agreement between Lithuania and Russia. They have a rail car that runs between those two countries, or between Russia through Lenin, or through Latvia to Leningrad for supplies and stuff. Lithuania has shut down the train route to Kaliningrad. 
and says that train will no longer run through Lithuania. Russia has given Lithuania a couple of days to open that train route back up. And if not, Russia is going to open that train route up. It would be as somebody shutting off the continental United States from, let's say, Alaska. And the only way we could get uh, supplies to the citizens of the United States that live in Alaska is through this railway. And a country coming up and says, we're going to stop you from getting supplies to your citizens in Alaska. Well, what would you expect the United States to do? You'd expect them to open up that railway so that they could get supplies to their citizens, right? And it's the same thing here. This is something that you need to keep a very close eye on right here, especially this coming week. <clears throat> All right. So there's a lot of things happening. I know it seems like things have, you know, kind of taken a lull. Nobody talks about the war anymore. Nobody talks about things that are happening. Um, it seems as if COVID is now, you know, a thing of the past. And it seems as if life is coming back to what we would call somewhat normal, if you will. Although prices are sky high on everything. Okay. This is the time the church really needs to begin to pray. And begin to seek the face of the Lord. Because I assure you, if this is not rectified within the next week or two weeks... There's going to be a major issue taking place there with Lithuania. All right? The church has got to shake itself and awaken out of our slumber. Amen? Has to. We have to. We have to draw close and near to, to, to God. Things are going to begin to happen the old president the ex-president of Japan was just assassinated last week there's more to that than what you're hearing on the evening news you're going to hear things in the next month and going into fall that's going to be very troubling it's going to be very troubling we have time now to draw near to God amen amen